Podcast by Committee is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And it's not just sports tickets. I know we say this every week, but I like to remind people uh, we have lives outside of sports here. Maybe just minor lives, but they're still lives. So if you enjoy, I don't know, maybe you enjoy theater, maybe your loved one enjoys theater, uh, you could check out, basically, Game Time has everything. So concerts, theater, sports, but who needs more of that? Anyway, the Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. And welcome to a very special Thanksgiving episode of Podcast by Nando and Beller again. What's up, dude? Nothing much, man. I'm feeling good. I'm excited for Thanksgiving, and I appreciate the uh, the the trail off scream in committee. You know, I like that a lot. I love that. So, uh, <laughs> so I like that you bring that to the table to the Thanksgiving table when I'm on the show. Yeah, it's well, you know, you guys. If you're not excited for these shows, what can you get excited about? I totally so. agree. Maybe Thanksgiving, but that's about it. Except, well. We got a lot of Thanksgiving uh, stuff happening between this show, between uh, the show with DVR. I'm sure all the other shows have it themed in there. Mm-hmm. I've kind of learned, like, uh, over the years, as fantasy analysts, but we'd like to rank things. Love it. And the beauty of it is we can get away with it. We're other, like, here at The Athletic. And, uh, uh, and by the way, 40% off a subscription if you aren't already, if you're listening to us on iTunes or whatever, theathletic.com slash PBC. It's our Thanksgiving gift to you, 40% off a subscription. Even though, uh, it's more of your gift to us if you use that link because it makes the show look better. But <laughs> you can get you can get forty percent off anywhere just by googling athletic subscription discount. But let's keep that between us. Yeah, and something uh, super easy yeah. to do when you're you know sitting with a tryptophan coma in a few days, you can just reach over and type it in. It's I don't know what like thirteen letters total, some sixteen letters total. You can totally do it on Thursday. Now I want to count. I got to hold up the show <laughs> if I count. Yeah, let's worry about that later. Uh, and we got a big, um, every, every, basically every city and state and team is doing an all decades team right now. And they're being launched throughout the week, which is pretty cool. Ganos mm-hmm. did the best rookies and Al did the best baseball. I don't know where studs. So, and can I, can I say that? Me, anyway, enough plug into the site. No, no, no. Let me say me, Jake Seeley, me, Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston, uh, I have a special edition of the ranking show out today, today being Tuesday, November 26th. That is up. It is available free on the athletic, wherever you listen to us, uh, of the all decade fantasy football team, 2010 through 2019. We did. It's, uh, one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, a tight end. Obviously that's Gronk. You'll get that one for free right here and a flex. It was a lot of fun and check it out. The flex must've been fun. The flex was a lot of fun. It was actually there. There was a great, uh, robust debate at running back that was basically me and Jake against Brandon, and that running back ended up being our flex player. But uh, it was fun. We had a lot of options, uh, a lot of spillover from running back and receiver to consider there. But uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to put together, a lot of fun to do, and a lot of fun to reminisce about some of our favorite players who are no longer in the league. How did you approach this? Because like I hate uh, when when we have to do these kind of exercises. And it's just like, all right, tally up the fantasy points and the top guys at each position, you know, whatever. Because because like Lamar Jackson has kind of, you know, at the end of this decade has become one of the more electric Michael Vicky style players. I mean, could you make a case like our quarterback? Let's consider Lamar Jackson. 
Or were you just kind of going on body of work? We didn't go straight on just, all right, he had the most points, he's our guy. Um, but, uh, it, like, so, like, here, here's a good example for what you're saying. Michael Thomas just barely missed out on making the team. Oh, because, that's Jake's guy. Did Jake make a very hard argument for Michael Thomas? Because he follows him on Twitter, and that's his guy. <laughs> to be honest, I was the one making the biggest push for Michael Thomas. Um, but, uh, you know, he's had this big four-year peak, right, over the last four years. And while it didn't necessarily over the full body of work compared to someone like Larry Fitzgerald, who has been a part of our fantasy lives for the entire decade, Michael Thomas was closer to making the team than Larry Fitzgerald because we know you don't win your fantasy leagues uh, with wide receiver threes, right? And that's what Fitzgerald has been for a large part of the decade. You win a league by having guys who have these monster peak years. And Michael Thomas has given you that for four years, for 40% of this decade. So it was a balance of the two. There were some uh, that were obvious. There were some guys, and I don't want to give too much away, um, but at the quarterback position, you can probably think of a couple of guys who have had major peaks and have been part of our fantasy lives for the entire decade. So at that position, it was guys who were more like that. But at running back and receiver, we definitely uh, considered some guys and maybe even included some guys who uh, have only had those three or four year peaks where they were winning you leagues on their own. Man, poor, uh, poor Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> So you know, like I don't know if poor like like the quarterback rotation he was going through for a while cost him, you know, maybe 200 yards a season and a couple touchdowns. Although he did score a lot of touchdowns, but I mean, like no one ever wants to admit or get excited to have Larry Fitzgerald in their fantasy team. But you know, we complain about these ceilings and these floors and you know the upside, the downside, like how a guy can't be consistent every week. And there was a stretch where Larry Fitzgerald was just super consistent. Oh yeah. I mean, so, it's super consistent, like, you know, 12 points and a, and a half point PPR kind of consistent. If he didn't have those those like black hole years in between, like when he didn't have Kurt Warner and before Carson Palmer was there, he probably would have been on it. But uh, yeah. there were just too many of those years where especially, you know, in, in the what, like the middle part of this decade um, where he just didn't get the stats through no fault of his own necessarily. But uh, that's what that's what we were looking for. So uh, please check it out. It was a lot of fun for us to do. And we think it'll be a lot of fun for you to listen to also. Oh, yeah, right. Good point. We should we don't have to recreate it here. Uh, let's <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's get to the rundown. Which I, I've got I've got some either or uh, Thanksgiving players versus non Thanksgiving players, mm-hmm. um, and it was kind of inspired by uh, it's a spiritual sequel to Renee Miller's story about how Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving players cause some kind of bi- you know may cause some kind of bias in you because you get these good vibes around Thanksgiving. You want to just share the good vibes, and so you might pick a player who's playing on Thanksgiving instead of you know the better option just because of that, without even sometimes realizing it. Um, so I wanted to see if you were able to uh, kill your biases and pick the non-Thanksgiving <laughs> player. All right, in let's the do it. Player versus player. Uh, yeah, let's do that, and we'll get back to the strategy question that I had up top. But um, Thanksgiving versus non-Thanksgiving borderline calls, I'm calling these. I got four of them. Uh, let's start with Tariq Cohen. Actually, I d- didn't even realize. I know you're a Chicago guy. I started off with a couple of Chicago guys. That's fine with uh, me. Tariq Cohen, who's facing Detroit on Thanksgiving, or Raheem Mostert, who's facing Baltimore. Yeah, this is a this is a, a really good one. And th- what what complicates this is that if you're going to start Tariq Cohen, you're going to have to make that call before you uh, know if Matt Breida is going to be able to get back exactly. to San Francisco, right? I mean, yes. if Matt Breida's if Matt Breida's playing for San Francisco, this is easy. It's Tariq Cohen for sure. But if Matt Breida is not playing, I think it's just as easy, even going up against Baltimore that you would want Raheem Mostert in there, right? So it's a decision that you're maybe going to have to make a little bit blind. And for me, this is maybe not what you're what you're hoping for, Nando, but I would make it almost based on what my team needs more than player versus player. Um, Tariq Cohen Fine. has the safety okay, floor. Okay, Jake. 
<laughs> but it's true, right? Tariq Cohen, because know. of the Brita thing, has the safer floor of these two players. If I need a floor performance, I'm going Tariq Cohen here. If I need a ceiling performance, I'm probably rolling the dice and going Raheem Mostert, also knowing that you know probably you're not only deciding between those two. But to take the spirit of your question exactly as is, who would I rather play, Tariq Cohen or Raheem Mostert? I think I'd rather play Tariq Cohen, just uh, looking at these two guys uh, objectively, just player versus player. If I have to play one of the two and, and I'm taking out some external factors um, because this is a bad defense in Detroit. And, you know, Mitchell Trubisky obviously has been a huge, huge negative for the Bears and for fantasy owners. Believe, this I can't season. believe. Why are they running him? Like, what's it? What is going on there, man? Why aren't they running him? Yeah. Why aren't they running Cohen? No, why aren't they running? Why aren't Trubisky? they running Trubisky? Yeah, it's a good question, um, and one that I can't answer sufficiently. That would be something that we would have to maybe bring in uh, our Bears beat writer Kevin Fishbane, friend of the pod for sure. Um, to, He's a uh, friend of the Beller man. You yeah, be, you should be able to text and be like, what the, "What's going on, dude?" Yeah, Fishbane, man, I can. Fishbane and I were in a uh, we're in a, a class uh, together actually back when he was an undergrad student and I was a grad student at Northwestern in the journalism program. Uh, he and I were in a uh, class with uh, former ESPN investigative reporter Lester Munson uh, teaching the oh, class. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. That was where he and I first met, and now we're in a fantasy league together, a Chicago media league. So yes, I do have I've got Funston on call. I could or I've got uh, Fishman on call. I could probably I could <laughs> call him up right too. now and uh, just put it you know have him talking to uh, my microphone through my phone uh, if we want the the best answer to this. I don't know why they're not uh, running Trubisky more. Obviously, that was something that we saw a lot of last season when he got out. Uh, on rollouts was when he did some of his best work. But to get back to uh, to Tariq Cohen, uh, I, I do think that when, when the Bears have gone up against these subpar defenses, you've seen some of their better, more consistent offensive performances. And Cohen is, I mean, the second most dangerous receiver, second most dangerous pass catcher on the team behind Allen Robinson. So uh, I would uh, I would take my chances on Tariq Cohen over Raheem Mostert. I can't do that. Like, I've... You know, this is not an ad for the ills of gambling because I only do like $3, $4, $5 here. But, man, I was so sure. I had the Bears, $5. I know we talk about this a couple times here, but I don't know. That team, man. And I don't know. Do you hate Matt Nagy as a Bears no. fan? Is he like the issue or is it something else? No. I, and I'm not uh, like you. I mean, like you representing all of Bears Nation. Right. Well, I, Bears fans, uh, the average Bears fan is much more upset with Matt Nagy than I am this season. I actually put this out on Twitter uh, a week or two ago uh, where I said that I totally understand where fans are coming from and they're upset at some of Nagy's decision making and play calling. But that being upset with that is like focusing on the, the, the seasoning a chef used on a steak that was asked to be made out of rancid beef. Like I, I like the the problem is not Nagy. The problem is the ingredients that Nagy's had to work with to this point. Trubisky's just not the guy. I mean, I think that's the much bigger problem, and it's hard to fully evaluate Nagy when he is working with a quarterback who just simply isn't the guy. Um, you know, maybe we get a, a better look at this next season, but I would not be throwing Nagy out with uh, with everything that's happened in 2019 for the Bears this season. It's just been um, a really ugly performance from the personnel. I think more so than the coach. It's such a strange. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I missed something glaring, but it's such a strange thing that, you know, another year of Allen Robinson, which actually has yeah. worked out. It's you got this, you know, David Montgomery, you got three cone who's electric. I don't know. It's just, but it's all quarterback, right? I mean, you can't, you can't, no one, you can't survive in the NFL today for an extended period of time on defense alone. Right, we saw yeah. it with the Jaguars in 2017. We're seeing it with the Bears right now. Uh, you can certainly pop up and have a great team for one or two years, but if you're going to have an extended window of com competitiveness, it's got to be offensive-based, and that's got to be quarterback-based. And right now, right. Trubisky just doesn't look like he's that guy. I mean, the poor guy, man. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he's a great he's person. He's forever going to be the guy that they <laughs> passed on Deshaun Watson for. Yeah, he is. That's totally true. Oh, well. Uh, Superflex, speaking of the Bears, I got a second Bears question here, and it involves Mitchell Trubisky. In a Superflex PPR league, do you want Trubisky, who's playing Detroit, as we mentioned, or Naheem Hines, who's playing Tennessee? 100% Trubisky. I mean, I, al- yeah. I, al- I always want a quarterback in that spot. It would have to be a very bad quarterback who I wouldn't be playing. I mean, you know, even when, a, even a, like, I mean, when you get, when you're very disappointed in your quarterback, no matter who it is, if he only gives you 12 or 13 points, right? I mean, that is right. a horrible game out of your quarterback. What did Naeem Hines have last week? He had 51 yards on the ground. He had 10 yards through the air and he caught two balls. So that That's is 8.1 points 8 in points. PPR in, in no, 9.1 points in PPR leagues. No, no, 8.1. Yeah, 8.1 right. points. Five, six, yeah. seven, eight. Yeah, yeah, 8.1 points in PPR leagues. And I don't I mean, do the fractional scoring, Biller. <laughs> oh, why not? I don't know, man. It's do you do you prefer batting average to OBP in baseball leagues? Oh yes, I do. very much so. Yes, oh, that's terrible, Nando. We can get on that. We can talk about that in the baseball. <laughs> next podcast. Uh, you're not counting everything. You're not counting I, everything. Why does why should he, why should he you not count get, runs? Yeah, but no, 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 not baseball. We, you said it right. We can talk about that right, in the okay, baseball yeah. version of this when we, you know, do podcast by baseball committee in January or whatever. Um, <laughs> because it's a game. I, I like it because it's like a game. You know what I mean? Like you got to. You, you're you're not giving him credit for his eighty first yard. You're only giving him credit for his eightieth yard. No, the anguish of having a guy who has fifty nine yards when you just needed that extra point to get to sixty is so real and cool. I, just, I don't know why. <laughs> I love it. Don't you want to count everything? Like, oh, you got one more yard. You don't want to count everything he, that he does for you? Well, I mean, we're not counting, like, uh, perfectly run routes. Well, There's yeah, no scoring but, category for that. But that's subjective. Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, actually, in a way, so are yards. Wherever they mark it is very subjective. So I mean, it's, you know, within, within uh, uh, you know, uh, the 99.99999 percentile of being correct. Anyway, you're wrong well, on the fractional scoring. You should definitely do uh, it. Get uh, it into your leagues next year and definitely start Trubisky, right? I mean, he would have to – Hines would have to hit – his 99th percentile game and Trubisky would have to have like a 49th percentile game for Heinz to outscore Trubisky, a 29th percentile game. So definitely Trubisky over Heinz. Right. Well, I mean, that was more of a question of how, you know, how bad, how about this Trubisky versus golf? I'm going to go off the sheet. If you got to start Trubisky or golf, who do you start? Um, do we, do we know off the top of our head who the Rams have this week? Uh, no, I had, I had, I had it up and then I closed it because I've got a serious issue, uh, with too many windows being open at all times. <laughs> um, I mean, so, so the lions are a great matchup. We know Wait, that Cowboys team. Cardinals. I know they have Cowboys Cardinals and Seahawks in their next three. Um, uh, they definitely, it's Bill, Cowboys. Bill's Cowboys. No, 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 it's Bill's Cowboys this week for sure. It's a Thanksgiving game. It's Cardinals. Um, I would go, golf. Right. I would go golf just because of the pace of that we should expect in that game. Um, up and down, up and down, up and down um, between those two teams. And Arizona's defense is not stopping anyone through the air, even with some of the reinforcements they've gotten this season. I expect that to be a high-scoring game, so uh, I would go Goff over Trubisky. Jared Goff, uh, in spite of 212 yards against Oof. the Ravens and 173 the week before against uh, the Bears. Yeah, I mean, those are two great passes. Zero, zero touchdowns in his last three. 
Yeah, those are two great pass defenses, though. I mean, the, the Ravens' pass D has been so much better since getting Jimmy Smith back and making the Marcus Peters trade. Uh, I mean, you, now you've got three long corners who are making life hell on receivers, and that's helping the pass rush get home. We've seen that uh, over the last couple of weeks. Everything that's gone wrong in Chicago this season, uh, among that has not been the pass defense. Pass defense has still been excellent. A great secondary, even making the downgrade from Adrian Amos to Ha Clinton Dix. Uh, you've got a great pass rush in Chicago as well. So they've really been able to... Uh, stop teams through the air. It's kind of remarkable that the Bears are a win over the Lions away from being 500, given how truly terrible the offense has been this season. And that's because of the past defense and largely because, uh, or because of the defense as a whole, largely because of the past defense. They've been excellent through the air. So uh, I'll give Goff somewhat of a pass on his performances against the Bears and the Ravens and think that he bounces back against the Cardinals. If you're even an okay quarterback, you should have a touchdown. He's got four games without a touchdown this year. Oh, well, he's, he's not really an okay quarterback. I don't think he's that great of a quarterback, but he's also played a lot of those games without Brandon Cooks, right? He played uh, uh, a couple of great defenses, so we're not really asking him to be much of any. We're not asking him to be huge, right, to beat Mitch Trubisky, right? We're not asking. We're not saying, all right, you need a QB top five performance. Um, right. And going up against Arizona, I still think that the environment's going to be a little bit better for him than it's going to be from or for Trubisky in Detroit. Tell you what, I'm going to try and do uh, today or tomorrow, and it's probably all for naught. But I got the you know the sport radar radar three sixty thing. We can yep. pull up all kinds of stats. Uh, I want to look up all the Thanksgiving Day games and see if there have been better performances in the noon game or the four game or the eight o'clock game. <laughs> I like that. I mean, I, I don't think there's going to be anything predictive in there, but I still like just the idea of it. I, feel, I always feel like the middle game is like the big. I just associate it with me being a, a little bit not drunk, but you know, I've, <laughs> I've had some drinks. We've eaten, you know, and I'm watching yeah. the, the second half of the game, and I'm like, oh, man, this is like, how's 35 to 26? Yeah, well, that's Starts also... It goes off a little bit, you know? The, the middle game is Dallas, and the early game is Detroit. And, I mean, if you think about some of these Detroit teams over recent years, it hasn't been necessarily the most fertile offensive environments. Well, they can get beaten on, though. They haven't had the best defenses. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I would say that's got more to do with the teams playing in it than anything else. I mean, Dallas, these last couple of years with Dak and Zeke, Right, you're going to get some. Uh, you're going to get some nice games. And Dallas being Dallas, you're probably going to schedule some strong opponents too. On All right, well, thanks, Mike. You know, I'm not going to do any work tomorrow. Then, thanks. <laughs> thanks for ruining that You're theory. Uh, no, man, yeah. I want you to you you work hard, man. You should enjoy things. <laughs> but I need to know this. <laughs> wait till we get into the part where I tell you all the other stuff I found out on Radar 360 yesterday. I can't wait. It's insane. Well, let's keep. It's rolling actually not insane. We get there. Let's keep rolling. So we right, can keep rolling. More either ors. Uh, okay. and this is a PPR league on Thanksgiving. Cole Beasley's Dallas revenge game or Darius Slayton against Green Bay? Ooh, that's a really good one. Um, I think I, in full PPR, I'm going to lean Beasley. Uh, the floor is so high for him in full PPR. Not so high, but it's so safe is, is the better way to say it. The floor is so safe for him in PPR, right? Like Cole Beasley would have to totally fall flat on his face to not give you double-digit PPR points. The same can't be said for Darius Slayton. Um, even though, I mean, he has certainly carved out a meaningful role for himself for the rest of the season. I was impressed. You know, obviously, the numbers didn't jump off the page with what he did against the Bears. But the fact that he still got seven targets, caught four of them for 67 yards against a very good pass defense while playing alongside both Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard tells you that Darius Slayton is going to have a role for the Giants for the rest of the season. But full PPR 
Cole Beasley, a better quarterback in Josh Allen. Sure, it's not the greatest matchup in the world against Dallas, but it's not a bad matchup either. It's not like we should be running from the hills when we see the Cowboys defense. So uh, I think Cole Beasley, I mean, Cole Beasley is going to give you as an absolute floor, like four for 55. Like, you know that going into a Cole Beasley game. So uh, I do think that he's the better PPR play. I, I think, uh, man, it, maybe it was Tim Graham at the start of the year did a, a Cole Beasley thing. And that actually got, that was what got me on Cole Beasley early. But um, I think there is some revenge element here. I think he is upset with the Cowboys for something. Yeah. Well, I got to go I mean, back and read it. It was from like August. It would be hilarious if this is just like a Cole Beasley Randall Cobb game. Oh, I would love it. I would love it. <laughs> I'm, it dude, I'm so with Cobb too. With I'm Trinidad's so high light. on Randall Cobb. I love oh, Randall man, Cobb. He's been great. He's been great for four games running now. He's been huge for that team. And with Tredavious White locking down Amari Cooper, or at least matching up with Amari Cooper, got to believe it's going to be another game where Randall Cobb has a, a heavy role in the offense. Let me tell you something about the Cowboys, which is going to be interesting. So they play that late game on Sunday, and then they play Thursday, obviously, for Thanksgiving. Their next game is also on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. So they, they go right turn around and write, write Thursday night football again. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to be – like, I don't know if my mindset is maybe they'll be a little ragged for that second Thursday game or if they're, like, maybe pumping the brakes just a little bit on this one. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can. That's the thing, like against Buffalo, like it's, you know, looking ahead, like we got to play again in seven days. Right, right. Yeah, you don't get the uh, usual. But the, the team they're playing a week later is also playing on Thanksgiving. It's the Bears. That's true. So it's back-to-back Thursday games for both of them. Still a bit unfair. Yeah, it's still a full week. I mean, it's not the usual 10 days you expect, but at least it's still a full week. Yeah, but that's, I mean. Like I understand you, what you're saying, though. It's, hate, three, yeah. it's three games in 14 days. Just boom, boom, boom. And that, that game didn't end until. Three games in 11 days. Yeah, midnight on Sunday. Right, right. I don't know. Anyway, it just hit me uh, as I was looking at the schedule. Mm. Um, and I'll, I'll look up that Cole Beasley revenge thing. Yeah, no, you should. I got Not now, obviously. But right, of course. We got a show to do. Uh, last one. Last either or, which I thought was uh, Josh Gordon or yes. Randall Cobb. Oof, Randall Cobb. Easy. Oh, that was easy? Easy, Randall Cobb. I All mean, right. Josh Gordon's running third on his own team behind Tyler Lockett and uh, DK Metcalf. Um, and I mean, Jacob Hollister is an important part of the offense. Um, I know they don't love throwing to their backs, but if we are going to see more Rashad Penny, uh, which it certainly seems like we are, then you have a back who is more adept at catching the ball out of the backfield, uh, on the field for half the plays. Uh, whereas, you know, Chris Carson wasn't really that guy, but if it's going to be 50, 50 rather than 80, 20 in favor of Carson, then you got to figure we get the backs a little bit more involved in the passing game. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, and like we said, I mean, Randall Cobb, the last five games, Dude's got 20 catches, 30 targets. Um, I don't know the yardage off the top of my head, but it's somewhere right around like 340 and two touchdowns. I mean, he's giving you like 70 yards and half a touchdown a game on five catches over the last four games running now. And he's an important part of that offense. And again, with Tredavious White, excuse me, on Amari Cooper, I mean, the, the strength of the Buffalo pass defense is on the outside and in the pass rush. And so that is all adds up to uh, plenty of work for Randall Cobb, I think. So, uh, yeah, Randall Cobb over Josh Gordon, easy. I think Randall Cobb, I think there's an argument for Randall Cobb as a top 30 receiver this week. Yeah, maybe Randall Cobb was a bad choice for that one. No, it's a good choice. I really, so here's, here's the truth. I, I wanted to do Josh Gordon versus Duke Johnson, then realize neither of them were playing on Thanksgiving. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's where I messed up. <laughs> I like that, though. But that's, a, like that's the, a tougher one. Yeah, though, that's definitely a tough one. I still think I go Duke. I mean, Gordon is Duke Johnson has the Patriots. Right, right, I know. But that changes uh, anything. Eh, but right, I mean the 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 players we've seen succeed like you're first of all with Duke Johnson right away you're not 
whatever you get on the ground is a bonus out of Duke Johnson. Right. Um, so you're really thinking about him as a receiver. And because of what New England, I mean, New England, talk about a team that is that its strength is on the outside in its pass defense. I mean, New England is, you know, lives that to the hilt. So you that's why we've seen, I mean, the best performances we've seen against New England in the passing game all year. And, you know, you, you want to put best in quotes because they're not huge performances, but it still stands the best performances that we've seen against the Patriots from receivers have all been out of the slot, right? Golden Tate, Cole Beasley, Randall Cobb just last week, Juju Smith-Schuster. And those have been the best games that players have had against, that receivers have had against the Patriots. All those guys are slot receivers. Obviously, Duke Johnson's not a slot receiver, but they do run him out of the slot a little bit. And, you know, slot re- slot receiver, running back, the theory there is still the same. It's it's quick hitters. It's balls that you get out quick. Uh, it's, match, it's major matchup advantages for the offense because you're not going up against Stephon Gilmore or anyone like that. So um, I do think that Duke Johnson is going to have a good game. I would play him over Josh Gordon too. I don't know, man. I Like I know everything has shown that Josh Gordon hasn't done anything yet and whatever. You look at a snap percentage, he's hovering right around 35% average in all three. It's like 31, 37, 34, but he's still learning. I don't know, man. Yeah. Like at some point I think it's going to be like, I, I just feel like Pete Carroll has that brain where it's like, okay, uh, playing possum, playing possum and kaboom. Just like look look at Rashad Penny, the perfect example. Like I just mentioned. Yeah, but that you was know, a, that was a fumble thing with Carson. I mean, Chris yeah, Carson's yeah, got ten yeah. fumbles or whatever he's got on the season. That was something that that was that. And, and and Josh Gordon. I mean, what's what's Josh Gordon's realistic best case target situation? Six. I mean, it's, it's seven. That, I was going to say like yeah. seven five seventy eight. Yeah, right. It's a team that doesn't throw a ton to begin with, and then he's running at very best third in the passing game behind Lockett and behind uh, DK Metcalf. And then Lockett and Metcalf are also guys who they're going to try to push the field with. Like Josh Gordon's not going to be the guy who pops a 60-yard touchdown for this team unless it's a catch and run. I mean, that's going to be Lockett or Metcalf. So you already got that. You've got Jacob Hollister, who's a real part of the offense. You've got two running backs who are real parts of the offense. I mean, you're going to need Josh Gordon to, first of all, max out his tar- his realistic target share, which I think is going to be like six, maybe seven targets. He's going to have to catch pretty much all those, and it's going to have to be a death by a thousand cuts situation because it's going to be, you know, eight yard A dot, or not, not even eight, you're right, like four and a half yard A dot. I mean, eight yard, like maximum down the field. So it, the ceiling, I think, is very low on Josh Gordon, and the floor is a legit zero. So give me Duke Johnson. All right, fine. Those are either ors. Uh, I hope you enjoyed them. Valor, <laughs> <laughs> you and I have very different views on uh, a lot of things here. That's which good. I guess makes for a good show. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, I like that. And it's not uh, like let's uh, go. Not, it's not like the PTIification of uh, of sports talk where we're contriving debate. This is true. Is our genuine in our gut feelings about how we think about these things? Yeah. Uh, you know, for for me, at least for fantasy football, I'm just kind of you know I'm a little easier to shrug and be like, okay, I guess you're right. Uh, fantasy baseball, I stick to my ground a little more, but football, like so much weird stuff can happen. Oh my know. god, it's the but, definition right, of the right. game. It's the definition <laughs> yeah. of the game. You got to be comfortable with the unknown. You got to be comfortable with the unpredictable in fantasy football. Speaking of that, speaking of that, thank you for that wonderful segue. I'd like to it. bring it back up to uh, to the first thing I had on the sheet, which is a strategy question. Uh, now the buys are done. You know, I just I read, read, read all day. Uh, the buys are done, so a lot of people are saying, you know. You could start playing your better players again. You don't have to worry about all these buys and stuff. Um, should your bench should you just rip down? Because I've read some some advice we put out there that says make sure you go get a second quarterback who's good right now uh, in case something happens to yours. Mm-hmm. Which you know I've never done that, 
every time I've gone to the playoffs, I've gone with the same team I've had, you know, the one quarterback, the one tight end, unless I have like a really good tight end that I've been rotating, which is doesn't happen that often. But, uh, you know, if someone's got a buy in week six and you pick up his replacement tight end, he has a couple great games, you just hold on to him. Um, but I've never done I've never done the backup quarterback because I figured after this week, you know, six, eight, some instances, 10 teams are out of it. So you're kind of not competing against anyone. So right. why would you, you know, why would you waste a spot when there's still like a, like if you held on to Rashad Penny before last week, you would be a genius right now. If you got Rashad Penny sitting on your bench, right? Or is that, is that first? So first question, second quarterback, is that dumb? Second question, do you just wipe out all your crappy half players for like the Reggie Bonafons and the Alexander Madisons of the world? Or do you still take those upside shots? And are you scared because of like the Rashad Penny game that just happened? Um, I am more in the former camp. I think you are trying to like you, you're dancing with who brought you at this point, right? You're not like, you're not really necessarily shooting for upside, uh, with those bench spots. Uh, if it happens, it happens. But I think what you were really trying to do is ensure your default starting lineup. So I do think, obviously you've been, you want your handcuffs. You want all the handcuffs that you, that you, that you need. You should have been getting them weeks ago. If you've got Dalvin cook, you have to have Alexander Madison. If you've got, Christian McCaffrey, you have to have Reggie Bonifon. Uh, Leonard Fournette, you have to have Reichwell Armstead. Mark Ingram, you have to have Gus Edwards. I mean, those guys are just absolute necessary elements to a team. Hopefully, you never use them, but if you need to use them, you're going to be happy that you made that move. So that's number one. Absolutely get your handcuffs. Number two, I do think you want to have a backup quarterback in this. In this, And it's not even necessarily a backup quarterback. It's maybe a matchup thing. Uh, if you got Lamar Jackson, if you got Patrick Mahomes, awesome. Uh, don't got to worry about this second quarterback. But if you have almost anyone else, uh, there's a chance that, I mean, we talk about streaming at the quarterback position, uh, and, and it still holds just sort of a different thought process where maybe this guy's got a better matchup and you're going to trust someone like that. And the one guy who I look at the most, who I think we could be saluting as a fantasy playoff hero uh, in a couple of weeks, is Andy Dalton. I mean, if have, have you, like, Cincinnati. Dude, that, I, love, I love this twist, right? Right. I mean, Cincinnati, they've got weapons on that team. It's a, it's a, horrible team obviously but they've got some weapons and Andy Dalton had himself some solid games I mean if you just look at his game log uh week one against Seattle he put up uh, nearly 23 points week two against San Fran he put up 20 points uh week three against Buffalo at Buffalo he put up 18 uh, Arizona he put up 19 Jacksonville he put up a little more than 21 like he's had some good games even though they've been a bad team now maybe AJ Green suddenly gets healthy now that Andy Dalton is playing again gets the Jets this week, the Browns next week, the uh, Dolphins in week 16. I mean, there is there is, uh, there, there is uh, something to like here about Andy Dalton. I think it, it wouldn't be surprising if he is a, a fantasy hero, but uh, I do think that you want to have another quarterback on your team. Again, this is this is just-in-case mode. I mean, that's what you're, if you're going into the playoffs, you are in just-in-case mode with a good chunk of your bench. Uh, depends on the size of your bench, uh, how much is going to be just in case and how much is going to be upside. But I think you want to lean toward the just in case side of the discussion, because the last thing you want is to be knocked out of the playoffs because you didn't have your handcuff or because, you, uh, God forbid, Lamar Jackson gets hurt and you didn't secure someone. And now you're turning to Brandon Allen as your quarterback. Uh, so I think you want to more err on the side of caution rather than shooting for upside at this stage of the season. Uh, let me ask you this. If you had Reggie Bonafon, for instance, on your team, I mean, you can't consider that a waste, right? Like, I've had him on my team Absolutely since week no. one. Ever, ever since Jordan Rodriguez was on our show. And we talked to Reggie Bonafon for, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, that, like, I, I'm like, I got to get him. Like, even, I don't have McCaffrey anywhere. I got Reggie Bonafon everywhere. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you definitely can't consider that a waste at this point of the season. I mean, again, like I said, like the the I in an ideal world, I mean, it's different for you if you don't have McCaffrey. But in an ideal world, your handcuff never sees your starting lineup. But you can't know that. That's totally unknowable. And you don't. I mean, that that is the investment you have to make. You have to insure yourself, right? We all buy insurance too. You don't. You don't want to use it, but you damn sure want it if you do need to use it. That's exactly what these handcuffs are. Uh, you know, I want to go back to the Andy Dalton thing because in my brain I was about to jump in, but you were on a roll, and then I forgot. Uh, what do you think the chances are that AJ Green miraculously heals from this second aggravated injury uh, that he that he got right after Andy Dalton was yanked as a starting quarterback? I think pretty. Andy good. Dalton starting. I mean, right? Like, is it AJ Green's? Like, I just dropped AJ Green. You know what I mean? Like, I, he could yeah. be he could be out there on waiver wires. Yeah. Oh, I'm going after him hard. I got to check. Actually, that, I'm going to look that number. I, I know I haven't looked a lot of stuff up in show. I'm looking that number up. AJ Green's ownership in CVS leagues. Yeah, you're, I've got a I've got a Yahoo page uh, pulled up. I can look it up in Yahoo leagues too. All right, you do that. I'll take a look at the CBS. Uh, he's, we'll meet in a minute. He's 48 percent owned on Yahoo. 48. 48. Yeah. He is 78 percent owned in CBS. Okay. I'm not playing on ESPN this year, so. I can't look that up. Yeah, I actually, I think I can. There's a way to do it, but but um, we it, it, those of us who I'll have played on sixty two. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was to say. Those of us who have played on all three know that typically Yahoo's got the lowest ownership rate. You know, if you just take a you know generic player X, Yahoo's got the lowest ownership rate. ESPN's in the middle. CBS has the highest. Yeah. So I'm sure on ESPN, Green is somewhere between forty eight and seventy eight. And I don't want to sound like a jerk. Like I, I've oftentimes, at least for baseball, especially for baseball, CBS because people are paying for their leagues are taken a little more seriously. So I've I've always found that the more accurate ish of the mm-hmm. numbers, or maybe the, the not I think the that's smarter. Fair. I don't want to. It's not like they're smarter. It's just I think there's more invested in you know. Wow, shots fired at, at our boys, Brand or uh, Brad Evans and Andy Barons. Oh, the writers, they're, gonna, they're coming the after you. <laughs> the users, man. <laughs> oh, Were you about to man. say Brandon Funston? Uh, no, I, I got I got Brad and Barons mixed up and you know, garbled there a little bit. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we we love everyone at Yahoo. Obviously, ah, uh, great team. Just, uh, now and Matt Harmon, Liz Loza. It's a great Liz team Loza. over there. James Coe, former athletic yeah, writer. James yeah, Coe. it's a great team over there at Yahoo. Anyway, the point is, keep your eye on AJ Green. Yeah, absolutely, and keep your eye on Andy Dalton too. Yeah, well, I was just buttressing your Andy Dalton. Hmm. I was complimenting. Beautiful. Uh, interesting thing here: we put out a call for uh, questions on Twitter. No one, you know, maybe it was too early. No one wrote back. But I, yeah, man, that was like eight a.m. <laughs> Eastern time. You put it yeah. out there. Half the country well, was still sleeping. I'm awake, man. I'm awake at six. I'm like, let's go. Like the, the willpower to not tweet things at six a.m. <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah. Um. So anyway. I did get a question. What inspired it was I got a question from uh, SWR on Twitter. I want to ask this one because it's a Thanksgiving question. I know we're hitting that 30-minute mark that makes you and DVR shudder. So uh, <laughs> let's let's get SWR questions. He's okay. Rook81 on Twitter. Uh, but I thought it was an interesting question. It's got Randall Cobb in there. Pick two of the three. And let's just assume it's PPR. Okay. DK Metcalf, Randall Cobb, Sterling Shepard. Randall Cobb, Sterling Shepard, DK Metcalf. I'm ben- Shepard over Metcalf. I'm ben- No, no, no. I was saying it again to myself. Oh, um, yeah, oh sorry. My, okay, yeah. I'm uh, I'm benching Shepard. I'm going Metcalf, and I am going a Cobb. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I can't. Feel, is is Shepard the concussion thing? Does that worry you? Is that what that is? Yeah, he's got the comfortably, comfortably the worst quarterback of the three. Um, right. I mean, the other two guys are in the MVP discussion. I guess it, right. The MVP discussion right now is Lamar Jackson, and then there's like a, a side discussion. But still, they're in that side discussion. At least, um, you know, that's not obviously true of Daniel Jones, who you know probably shouldn't even be in the Rookie of the Year discussion. Um, even though a quarterback who starts uh, as many games as he's going to start should almost be a layup to at least be part of the discussion. I don't think that Daniel Jones belongs. Um, so, well, he had some three hundred yard games. Yeah, he had some three hundred yard games. I mean, he carved up. He replacing carved, a legend. He carved up Tampa, which every single quarterback who's played Tampa this season has done. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's neither here nor there. Um, I just think that. Uh, Again, uh, we already said everything we've, we, we, we need to say about Randall Cobb in this show. And uh, DK Metcalf, uh, once you are a number two receiver tied to Russell Wilson, who has proved your utility, then I'm going to want you in my lineup. You know, obviously it depends on the depth of my lineup, but over someone like Sterling Shepard for me is a, a relatively easy call. Monday night football against Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota's past defense has not been this year what we expect it to be every single year. Um, you know, th- th- those individual corners uh, haven't quite lived up to their billing this year. So uh, I think DK Metcalf and that entire Seattle passing game can get going. And what's a monster NFC game uh, between those two teams on Monday night? All right, there you go, SWR. Uh, don't know if you're listening, but you got- I hope you're listening. <laughs> maybe, I'll t- <laughs> maybe I'll tweet him an answer anyway. <laughs> I like it. Just to be a good guy. Yeah. Uh, Bella, I don't know, man. Like, I want to talk a little Thanksgiving with you just uh, out of curiosity. I know. Sure. Can we? Can I buy a couple minutes? Yeah, you've got like three minutes, or else I'm oh, really gonna I'm really gonna start to shudder. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, question number one: Let's forget about what is on the plate. When you arrange your plate, how do you do it? Would you go down like a little buffet style thing, and you put like the turkey over here, and the mashed potatoes over here, and they can't touch, you know, the sweet potatoes, and those can't touch the stuffing? How do you how do you arrange your plate? Yeah, I like to keep it separated. Doesn't mean I won't mix it once I'm sitting down at the table, but at least as I go to the table, I don't want it all to be a you know a, a jumbled mess. I want to if I'm gonna mix if I'm gonna mix up a bite of turkey and, and mashed potatoes, I want to have full control over that once I'm sitting down. Do you just pour the gravy all over everything? Because sometimes what I like to do is dig a little hole in my mashed potatoes and pour the gravy in there like a little pool. Oh yeah, that's great. Um, I, I pour, I yeah, I'm gonna pour the gravy on whatever I want it on. I'm not just gonna dump it all over the plate willy nilly. Um, and obviously that means you know some of it's gonna spill over into things I don't necessarily want it on. But that's okay. No one's ever really cried about too much gravy, right? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, what's your drink progression throughout the day? Um, excellent question. Thank you. Um, if we're um, if we're really going from the start of the day, I'm gonna you know start to start off with some coffee and water. Um, but uh, I don't know. Uh, to me, uh, Thanksgiving's a day that's uh, that's totally made for uh, for for red wine. I might have a I might throw a beer in there, but uh, it's gonna be plenty of red wine for me. Maybe a scotch at the very end of the night. Uh, but uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be the uh, the drink progression for me. I'm gonna lean mostly on red wine uh, on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, this one wasn't a prepared question, but it, it, you know, you, you told me what you were doing for the holidays, uh, going to the in-laws, and I'm going to the in-laws for mine. Um, do you feel comfortable just saying, see you later, I'm going to take a nap there? Or do you just <laughs> kind of like politely nod off and hope that everyone's like, well, he's taking a Thanksgiving nap here in the chair? Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm not a huge napper in general. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So that's uh, not necessarily a question that's in my wheelhouse. However, uh, I will say that I have an excellent relationship with uh with my in-laws with my mother-in-law sister grandmother they, we we uh, love them we get along great uh, they 
I think I like to think they love me quite a bit. Uh, so uh, in that situation, I would be totally comfortable just, uh, you know, calling it uh, calling it a, an afternoon and nodding off for a little bit. And how about the pooping? What? <laughs> <laughs> Do you oh, go Brent. to the do you go to the the toilet farthest from where anyone will be? Uh, ever, isn't respect? that just isn't that just courtesy? I, you know, like if there's like a spare bedroom upstairs, do you like just run up to that one to poop, or would you like go to the normal one in the middle of the hallway so people aren't like, no? Why did he go disgusting? to the spare bedroom? That he's you, not even wait, 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 wait. Do you do that? Do I what? Go to the bathroom nearest everyone? No, no, no. I'm saying like the one that like even if it's like a weird room upstairs that no one's staying in. That happens to have a bathroom. Oh, every I think everyone who's like above the age of eight understands that you get as far away from where the party is happening as you possibly can. Well, that, all right, that that's a no brainer. But I'm saying like there is, you know, there's like say there's a guest bathroom that's just the guest bathroom upstairs. You know, top of the stairs, mm-hmm. right across a uh, little, you know, toilet and a shower. But there's also like that room at the end on the left. You know, not the parents' room, obviously, but that room on the end and left that just had, you know, it's it's a spare room, it's a guest room, it's got a toilet. Which one do you choose? Because I would say the top of the stairs is proper decor. Back left is something you know, might be kind of weird. Like why? Like why do you go all the way back there? <laughs> um, I, I would say as long as both are, um, you know, n- not uh, intrusive with uh, with what's going to be emanating, maybe from there after you're done, then uh, the decorum one is the play, and just go to the guest bathroom, and you're fine. No, I was just, just wondering. Sorry yeah. if that was a little too weird. I was taking. <laughs> let me tell you, I, was ta- I, was, I was taken aback. I was not expecting. Uh, I was not expecting a question along those lines. Sorry, that was a follow up. Uh, finally, uh, can you carve a turkey? That was the last one. We'll get back to normal. Can you carve a turkey? I can carve a turkey. Really? Yeah, it's it's not that. I mean, it's not. I'm. Mean, it's not going to come out looking like Bobby Flay or anything. But uh, it's it's not the hardest thing in the world. Do you enjoy that? Like, do you want to be like, let, let me carve the turkey? Um, or do you want to be like, just carve it for me, please? I'm just going to sit over here. If I'm being perfectly honest with you, I would rather someone else carve the turkey. I'm more than happy to stand up and give a toast and say a few words uh, for the family, as I, I think you would uh, expect from anyone in our in our line of work. Um, I enjoy really? doing I don't that. Do, really? You like that? I hate oh, toast. Oh, man. I love, I love talking to people. Oh, I like that. Like, I, <laughs> I hate, like, you know, dinging my glass and say, you know, everyone, please. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like seek out the spotlight purposely if it's if <laughs> if the spotlight's not being. You know, I'm not gonna flick on the spotlight and go. You know, wend my way into it. But if if <laughs> if a toast is being called for, if a toast is appropriate, I'm very happy to be the one to give it. Nice. Yeah, this is great. Right? This is gonna be fun. I love it. Thanksgiving's gonna, in the air. We're gonna yeah. be able. We're, we got this out there, Nando, and now we're gonna be able to like almost sense one another's Thanksgiving, even though you're gonna be, I assume, somewhere in the in the New York City area, and I'm gonna be in Cleveland. Staten Island. Oh, can't yeah. wait. They beautiful, yeah. beautiful. It, it's going to be fun. Good time. I tried to pull the whole "let's go to the parade and then go to Staten Island," uh, but you know, not going to happen. Hey, man, can't win them all. I've been to the parade twice, and it really is fun. Uh, but oh well, such yeah. is life. I'll watch it on TV. We'll be watching it. I can tell you that we'll be watching it from uh, from my mother in law's house, in beautiful Beechwood, Ohio. Can't wait for you. Yeah. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for me too, man. (laughs) Uh, One of these years to do a parent trap. Anyway, (laughs) not this year. (laughs) Uh, Michael Beller, uh, it was good times, man. Have a happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. And to everybody listening too. Yes. Uh, Except except for the people who didn't send us questions through Twitter (laughs) at 7 a.m. Eastern. Isn't isn't Uh, that literally everyone? Didn't you just unhappy Thanksgiving wish them right there? Shout out to Steve G. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) thanks everyone for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. 
uh, for the great Michael Beller. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, Nando. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I'm Nando DeFino. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>